Welcome to Movies Are Life. I'm your host, Nathan Chandler. I'm feeling a bit hungry today, so we're going to discuss the much-talked-about film, The Menu. We'll see if I still have my appetite after this conversation. Uh, I, I was semi-aware of The Menu when it was released this past fall. I, I saw a trailer in it, uh, for the theater, in the movie theater, and um, it caught my attention, but I just never went back to it. But then um, I, I just started hearing so much about this movie probably really like post christmas i don't know if it's when it released on hbo max but uh, it just seems to be a film that uh people have been mentioning to me and one of those friends is my guest today uh todd ferguson how are you doing todd i'm well thanks for having me <laughs> yeah yeah are you doing all right i am i am yeah so um yeah it was almost like you were the one that cemented that like i had to do this movie because uh, no offense to you you're a very busy man you have young children um and so uh it kind of i was a little surprised that this was a movie that you saw so um <laughs> before we kind of discuss a little bit about the film itself a little bit like what what, what made you what made you check this out First off, I love cooking. I love food. I would not say I'm at the, um, I don't have a lot of experience at the high level of the restaurant world, eating at, you know, very upscale, high culture restaurants, but I love food. I love cooking. I love cooking shows. Um, I loved The Chef's Table, which influenced this movie. And then I saw a movie called The Menu. And honestly, I, I, didn't know much about it. I knew it had a creepy element to it, but that's it. Um, and I, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, I think I saw a preview for this and it was somewhat creepy. That was all <laughs> my experience, but I knew that I love food. I mean, like Julia and Julia, I love mm -hmm. that movie. I love yeah. movie uh, movies and shows about cooking and food. The Bear was a big um, series for me. And so I was like, you know what? Uh, kids are in bed. I'm going to try it out. And, <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. I should have had more warning, uh, but that was, yeah. yeah, that was my experience. I just love food. I love cooking. I love thinking about the process. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to check it out. Okay. So before we dive into uh, all the details of this movie, a little background, if someone's not familiar, The Menu is a 2022 American dark comedy horror film directed by Mark Mybode. It features an ensemble cast that includes Rafe Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, Janet McTeer, Reed Burney, Judith Light, and John Leguizamo, playing diners who attend his exclusive restaurant. The menu had its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival on September 10th, 2022, and was released in the United States on November 18th, 2022 by Searchlight Pictures. The film grossed over $78 million worldwide on a budget of $30 million and has received positive reviews from critics. So um, before we jump into this conversation, I think it's hard not to talk about this movie without spoilers. So we're going to talk about it as if you'd seen it. So uh, if you haven't seen the movie and you're interested, I suggest you watching it before diving into this. So, um, so Todd, uh, is the menu something you would serve up to your guest? <laughs> <laughs> um, as a movie, um, I would recommend it for people who um, love gastronomy or love slight horror, 
You know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to say it's complete horror, but it definitely is horror. I would say those two. So like, for instance, my wife, Emma, would like the food part, but I don't think she would like the horror part. So I didn't recommend it to her. I told her about it. And she was like, oh, no, I'm not watching that. <laughs> um, but people who like something a little bit more psychological, um, who like um, elite culture, um, mm -hmm. I think would find it really fascinating. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's almost like this. I, I don't even know if this would quite be put into the horror uh, category, um, but um, it kind of it's kind of my type of horror. It definitely has like some shocking moments, but there is never a moment. Uh, there's not like jump scares or, you know, it is a little bit more psychological in that mm -hmm. sense. You know, thriller is like a real apt discussion. But um, yeah, th this is kind of my type of film film as far as the uh, sat satire that's going on here mm -hmm. um, you know uh it it's 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 i think it's funny it's got some humor to it for sure yep. um but it's got a lot of dark themes it's not taking itself too seriously um and and i i found myself like a quick story so i started it um late at night and uh i often have to split movies up Mm -hmm. And this is a movie I have, I have a cutoff, cutoff time for myself. And so it was, um, <laughs> yeah, I think it was about midnight and I said, okay, I'm stopping this movie and I could not fall asleep. Not because <laughs> I was scared or anything. I just like, it is a movie. You're never sure what's going to happen next. And I just, I, I was I couldn't fall asleep because I just was wondering what was going to happen next. And then mm -hmm. I was just mad at myself because I think about the time I fell asleep is about the time I could have actually finished the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I mean, almost that's why I just enjoyed it. I don't think it's the greatest movie of all time, but I, I just really enjoyed it just from a, you know, I love that it made you think I was entertained. It flew by and um, I don't, uh, I think it had a lot to say, but you know, I don't think we will be seeing the menu too, which I think is right. great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we, um, it's a, it's a brain worm in the fact that it gets into your brain and you can't stop thinking about it. And I think we go on the same journey through the movie as the characters, the diners, of going, okay, we're watching um, elite hot cuisine. And then we're going into, okay, this guy, the chef, Ray Fiennes, is creepy. And then we're going into, oh, something really drastic happened. Um, a guy got his finger cut off. Oh, was that real? Was that acting? You know? And so, and then we realize, oh, no, this is real along with the characters. And I think that was really great. Like, at least I went on that journey. I was like, oh, maybe he's acting. Maybe this is all performance. And that's what the, you know, the food critic, which I thought was one of the funniest characters mm -hmm. in the show, was the food critic. Um, and just the language she used and that she was disbelieving for a long time. Like, oh, this is performance art. This is performance art. And it took her a while to realize this was real. I was definitely there. I was like, oh, this is performance art. And then, oh no, the guy got his finger cut off. This is not performance art. Or doesn't he even mention that um, you all could have probably escaped a long time ago? Like they, they had, even though we don't know their full histories, but we know this is probably experience, a type of experience that they have done before as far as this elitism type mm -hmm. of an event. And so 
anyway, it really is. It's like, you no, know, you, you, you sense that something was up from the get go, but you stayed, you know, like, I, I like that aspect of it. That absolutely like, right. Like they were, they had all surrendered to his mm -hmm. power, including the staff, the staff, you know, surrendered to his power. They did. And at the end they were like, okay, I'm going to die. <laughs> and and almost like it, it was like even though they had to surrender to him their positions in life made them think that they were still above what was happening and mm -hmm. that they could get out of it mm -hmm. does that make sense absolutely yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah um the um as far as the performances in here, um, I mean, I really liked, well, first off, I want to say before I get into the performances, I like movies like this that kind of are in one location. Mm -hmm. I, I know we go out a little bit. Um, I was trying to do a little bit background on when they filmed this and it wasn't quite like when the pandemic started, but it kind of feels like a pandemic film in the sense that like, you know, uh, Hollywood, you know, took everything a little bit more seriously when it came to that. So I can see that the script of this, which I read was kind of floating around for a while. I bet that it made it intriguing to pick up because it's like, oh, we could have a self-contained mm -hmm. uh, crew and cast here. But mm -hmm. I've always liked that element of almost like, um, um, one, I'm always impressed by how much the camera work um how he moved the camera around and kept everything going despite being in one location. And I think that takes a quite uh, some inventiveness that's really hard to pull off. That's one reason I like it, but also kind of almost plays. I don't think this could be a stage play, especially with all the close-up shots of the food and the process and all that. But I like that aspect of like, it, it almost locks you in a little bit more, almost like you're in a, a you know, a theater seat, you know, mm -hmm. like you, it makes you feel like you can't go anywhere as well. So I like that aspect of it. Um, uh, so sorry, that was a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, do you like these kind of, it's almost like, I, I know you, I think you grew up on this movie too. And we've probably talked about like, even though the movies are very different, it's almost like Clue. Like oh, uh, one of my all-time top five movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> I, it, it's almost like a throwback to that type of movie. Uh, just one locale, this stellar yeah. cast, and they're all kind of playing off one another. You know, each Absolutely. other. Absolutely, like it goes back to Agatha Christie novels. You know, you're in mm -hmm. one large mansion, and someone gets murdered, and the ensemble has to figure it out. Yeah. So, uh, so now going back to the cast, uh, sorry, I <laughs> had to kind of go with my thoughts there. Um, did you, uh, did you like fines in this? Yeah. I mean, I think he was ap aptly casted. I mean, he's Voldemort, you know, in <laughs> Harry Potter. So I, I look at him like, Oh, I don't like you. Um, and so I thought that was great because there's already a negative connotation of, um, controlling authoritarianism evil um yeah. <clears throat> well even going um, back uh schindler's list as well um oh yeah <laughs> well absolutely. yeah <laughs> so um can get much more evil than a nazi <laughs> yeah yeah so i thought the the casting of ray fines was good um the guy who played i've got it up because i don't remember their all their names tyler the character tyler so the main sort of focal point at the beginning Oh, Nicholas, um, Nicholas Holt's character? Yes, Nicholas yeah. Holt. Yeah. I thought that was really good. Um, I've always liked him a lot. You you know, he, he was in About a Boy. He was a little boy. Yes, and then he was uh, Beast, right, in the mm -hmm. newer X-Men yeah. movies? Yeah. yeah, I think that's my only experience with him, I think. 
yeah, um, he he he's on the. I haven't watched it. He's on the Hulu show, The Great. Also, that I've heard okay. uh, good things about. But yeah, he he's done a he's done a lot of recent work, and everything I've seen uh, of his, I I've really enjoyed, and I've really I thought he 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 did a really good job with this character. <laughs> yeah, he portrayed it. You know, here is, you know, at first this is another journey I like on this movie. Um, you think that they're a couple. And that when they're on the dock waiting, you're like, oh, that's cute. They're a couple. She's not really a foodie. He is. He's really excited. You know, and of course, over the over time, that relationship disintegrates because his relationship is really with the food, mm -hmm. not with her. And he, she's just a service worker. And, um, it, you know, they finally reveal that, that she's an escort. And he plays... He just does it really well. He plays this person who's so intent on experiencing the food that he walks into horror knowingly. He experiences the horror, or sorry, he ignores the horror while experiencing the food. So I, I forget which course it is, but the course where, you know, they've just shot the guy or the sous chef killed himself. Um, the older man gets his ring or his finger cut off. And... Nicholas Holt's character is, you know, slurping down some bone marrow and he's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And he's oblivious or ignoring the horror because he's so focused on food. I just thought he portrayed that really well. A fanatic <laughs> that's so fanatical that he's willing to join a cult, you know, <laughs> he literally joins a cult basically. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you like uh, Anya Taylor-Joy in this? I do. So I'm not a person who naturally just loves her. Um, I watched her in Emma. Mm. Um, did you watch the Queen's Gambit? I did not watch the Queen's Gambit. Okay. Um, but I thought, you know, she did a great job. Um, she played, you know, a character has a, a very different background from anybody else. Um, but she was the only one with a backbone. She was the only character who had boundaries you know mm -hmm. she did not let ray finds this character like breach her boundaries and so she was not going to eat the food she called it out this is not food you know i love the phrase the unaccompanied accompaniments <laughs> i i just thought that was brilliant yeah um, the, the use of language in this movie was great yeah i agree and yeah no i and i like that concept of like her background of essentially being an escort and probably this uh, profession that is looked down upon at, from society society yet she is the one who is like just not clueless uh, so to speak like she you know the as you mentioned you know willing to challenge the status quo and ultimately you know the one that survives you know and i, I like a lot of what that has to say and how we view you know positions in life uh mm -hmm. so, you know so to speak and yeah i you know she's um mm -hmm. she's so i i just i thinking about her i just kind of wonder what it'd be like she's such an interesting looking person right uh, I, I she's beautiful but also like very unique and mm -hmm. like you know and but i think she was uh in the northman that came out um not too long ago um i everything i've seen and she's really good and so I, I she's very dynamic and i think more than anything she really gets what the tones of the movies that she's in like how to play them and yeah. she really knows just like almost 
very aware of the genre she's in and she can really lock into that. She, she knows that the playfulness behind this just as much of just as much as the ser seriousness behind mm -hmm. it for sure. Um, what about as far as, so I, I'm not, I'm not quite a, uh, foodie as in the sense I, I don't watch a lot of cooking shows, but I, I watch a lot of reality shows, but regardless if you're that, but especially having this, uh, podcast and just, how I've watched movies, you know, it just has a lot to say about criticism. And mm -hmm. I've, 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 I've always kept in my, the, in the back of my mind, especially if I see a movie and let's say it's a horrible movie, like it's awful. I'm always like, I always try to keep it in the back of my head that, that they made a movie. Like how many movies have you made? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, <laughs> uh, anyway, so I always try to keep that in, in the back of my mind whenever I, I am critiquing yep. something, you know, because it's like, who am I to say something, you know? Uh, and so what did you think? How did you feel about this movie and touching on that kind of critique culture, so to speak? Yeah. So I, I thought, um, I thought it absolutely was a critique of fetishism and i don't mean that sexually that right, yeah but you know like you take an object um and you value it so much over its inherent worth and it becomes almost like an idol um and so you know here you've got a breadless bread plate you know and everyone's ooing and awing before <laughs> they fetishized it right so they've made it it's not about nourishment it's not about food necessarily you know it's about the experience um and so i i thought it was absolutely a critique of that where you, it was a critique of high art and high culture or haute couture however you want to say it um it was absolutely a critique of that um and it's interesting so i was doing some research in preparation for this and i'd heard it in the background in like my food news feed you know how it cultivates feed uh news feeds for you yeah. but the restaurant that um hawthorne was based off of um closed down two weeks ago oh um or they said they were going to shut down this is their last season but it's it's um the architecture is the same <laughs> there's the um the the kitchen is open for you to observe um plates or setting or seatings are a thousand dollars per person um and they gather the mushrooms and the the food from the forest nearby and it's in copenhagen it's called noma and so they did a press release two weeks ago saying this model of high level cuisine elite cuisine is not sustainable and so they're going to shut down and so here's this movie that's critiquing and basing its, you know, artistic look off of Noma and Noma shutting down <laughs> because they're like, this isn't working anymore. No one's going to pay a thousand bucks and we can't even pay our staff um, living wages because it's so intense because you're out there tweezering, you know, little mm -hmm. bitty globules of emulsions. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, it's just, it. I think this was a very, um a very strong critique of elite culture oh yeah for sure did you did you like how uh how they put up the uh the courses on screen like oh i loved it, it. i yeah. love it 
I love yeah. it. I, I, I liked it too. I, I think maybe some people could see it as being a little too kitschy, but like, uh, as I mentioned, I'm not like a huge like food person. So I, I liked it because it's almost like um, spelling out a little bit more of like, you know, the presentation of, of everything, you know, this is, you know, it's being presented to us as viewers, just like as somebody uh, sitting, sitting in yeah, those chairs. Yeah, we're offered the menu, right? right we're offered right. the menu. And that is a character in the story is the menu. Yeah. And it just devolves into horror. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for you. This will really, if we haven't already, this is definitely a spoiler part of this movie, but I, I want to ask your thoughts about the end of this. And the, the whole uh, cheeseburger scene, which mm -hmm. actually like <laughs> it shows you how much I'm like, you, you might scoff at me, but to me that hamburger looked like the, the cheeseburger looked like the best thing. <laughs> for no, me absolutely. 100%. <laughs> so like, yeah, I say I'm a foodie. I'm not that level of a foodie. Like I don't want deconstructed condiments. I want <laughs> bread with really good butter, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so that cheeseburger looked amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, you know, the movie kind of suggests that Margot Anya Taylor's joy as character kind of tap, taps in um, to the chef's like, for lack of better words, like mental illness, <laughs> almost mm -hmm. as far as the prepper, uh, you know, preparing this cheeseburger for her uh, as her way to get out. But do you think he he was also purposely getting her out? I absolutely think that's a, a valid interpretation. Like, I think. She was not supposed to be there. Um, he said, she's one of us, right? Isn't that how they ended it? Yeah. Like she was yeah. like, or he said, you're one of us. You're, you're part of the kitchen staff, not the mm -hmm. clientele. Mm -hmm. um, you're in service industry. Um, and I think he was letting her escape. Yeah. And as I was thinking about it, like when he sends her off to, um, go out and get uh, i forgot what did she go out and get the barrel um, that had the explosives yeah, yeah 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 the barrel um like i think i think inherently he knew that she she was a curious person she wouldn't just do that one task and mm -hmm. i think he knew she'd find the radio and get the boat there that's just kind of how i saw it and i kind of saw that scene at the end of them kind of playing that that little game, so to speak, of him prepping the cheeseburger and her asking, you know, for it to go and stuff like that. Um, I, I felt like that was like kind of an understanding, as you mentioned, you know, she's part of them. And so I, I think he almost in a way knew, you know, it was a way for her to at least get even a boat there to, to escape. But that's how Absolutely. I saw it. I didn't know if you saw it that way. And it, and it gave um, the chef's character one last time to cook what he loved. Mm -hmm. You know, which is, you know, being a short order cook. Yeah. Um, and so it allowed his final act um, before the graham crackers and marshmallows <laughs> to um, cook his joy one last time. Yeah. And I, I think that plays into like, um, I don't think it's just regulated to uh, if you're if you're an artist or if you're a creative type. I think it's also if you are uh any head of any kind of organization. And I think almost if you talk to anybody, they'd be like, yeah, I really enjoyed the days where I got to do this mm -hmm. kind of going back to the like basis of it, you know, and you, as you get older and you get to a certain level, uh, things, importance, you know, stress, 
um, all those things just get bubble yeah. up where it's just like, as you mentioned, like, I just want the cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> I actually made burgers this past week because of that scene. I was like, Emma, I'm going to make cheeseburgers. <laughs> now, in all seriousness, does Emma still have all her fingers? Todd? Yes, thankfully. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> you didn't get too extreme with the. I didn't. Or she didn't try to escape. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, well, uh, uh, is there anything you want to hit on in the movie? Yeah, I would say, in terms of other characters, I loved the the food critic character. She was my favorite. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I thought she was the funniest. Um, did you watch yeah. Ozark? I didn't. Is she oh, okay. That? Yeah. She plays a pretty prominent role in a couple of seasons there. So okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's one of those actresses that I, I recognize. I'm like, Oh yeah, I've seen you, but I couldn't place where I've seen her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just thought her wordplay was masterful the way they wrote her as this ostentatious, pretentious, arrogant, you know, food critic that's belittling her magazine editor, you know, and they're arguing about word usage. Um, and she has those big, thick reading glasses that she takes on and off to, and it just adds to the character. <laughs> um, her body language was very, um, almost rigid. Um, yeah, it, I just, I, she was my favorite one. And so when they're arguing about like the word biome, you know, to talk <laughs> about, you know, the ocean, um, I had to look up the word thalassic when she was like, oh, it's very thalassic, you know, and, and the editor's like, oh yeah, I thought of that too, but I didn't say it. Or he said something like that, you know, and they of course know what the word thalassic meant, but we common people don't use that word, you know, to talk about the ocean. Um, and so I just, I loved her character. I, I love wordplay. I love, um, subtle linguistic humor. And I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though they're different films, almost similar, you know, Glass Onion that came out, uh, you know, you saying that wordplay kind of reminds me of uh, Edward Norton's character in there who is essentially making up words to make it Absolutely. sound like he's more, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But, but in her case, like, you know, to use the word thalassic, you have to have a classical Greek education, you know. So yeah. she's not, you know, Edward Norton was making it up because he was stupid. She's making or she's using that word because she assumes she's only talking to elite people and only elite people are going to read her edit uh, her editorial or her review in Savour magazine. And so it just yeah. it amped up the pretentiousness for her character. And so, yeah, I just loved her character. Yeah, uh, I, I really liked uh, John Leguizamo in this as well. Uh, I thought he did really well. I was kind of reading. He based a lot of his character on Steven Seagal. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> and then um, and then always just like Judith Light. I, I know she's actually probably more well known for her stage work and like on Broadway and stuff. But I mean, I grew up on Who's the Boss, so I always like yep. seeing her. Absolutely. <laughs> Movie Musings. This movie musing segment is going to be uh, very food focused. Uh, okay. So um, here's a couple of questions for you. Um, what is the best meal that you've ever had at a restaurant? Oh gosh, at a restaurant? Mm -hmm. This is going to make me sound pretentious. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but the summer we were in Italy, and my in-laws gave us a night off with kid uh, from kids, and so they kept the kids, and we drove into this hill town called Orvieto in Italy. So it's this beautiful um, medieval town 
up on a hill, like a plateau, a, a mesa, and just ancient, ancient buildings. And so there was a restaurant there called Charlie. And, you know, it, it, was, it was upscale, but had sort of classic Italian food. So it had pizza, um, but I ordered the risotto. And I kid you not, I mean, it was the best risotto I've ever had. Um, it was very simple. You know, it was a, a chicken stock base with a Parmesan finish, but it was just perfect. And I think also the atmosphere of us eating outside mm. in oh, yeah. town with my wife. But here was this simple bowl of risotto. It was beautiful. <laughs> I mean, it was just magical. Oh yeah, no, no. And so um, I would say absolutely that's the best restaurant meal I've ever had. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I I, I know completely, even though I've necessarily, uh, I've traveled a little international, a little bit internationally, but um, even though uh, maybe from a f food perspective, I mean, it's definitely good. Uh, it, may, it wouldn't make a magazine or whatever, but I mean, I associate those things. I remember being in Vietnam and having the best uh, shrimp I have ever had. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, you, you associate uh, food with settings, you know, with, you know, which this movie plays off of uh, quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mine, I can't even remember um, the name of the restaurant, <laughs> but uh, it was during our honeymoon in Vegas. And it was actually part of this, like uh, this already, I'm sure like foodies would be like scoff at this because it was a, a fixed menu, but it was like, it, it was through the encore uh, at when and it included a show with a meal, but mm -hmm. it was in their uh, country club because they have a, I don't know if they call it country club, but it's, uh, it faces their golf course. Um, but it was, it was this steak, uh, Whitney and I just love good, well-made steaks, but, uh, the way they had the steak, it was like surrounded almost like by a moat of like mashed potatoes and the gravy kind of like seeped into the meat to bring out the flavor. Oh, I, I still think about that now. <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say my second favorite, um, uh, and this is like my only brush against elite dining um, is, this makes me sound pretentious, <laughs> please. <laughs> I've gone overseas like twice. <laughs> so like one was Italy, one was France. So uh, five and a half years ago, we went to France and my wife and I, there was this little village and there were two restaurants in this tiny little village of like 500 people. One of them had a Michelin star. So it was a big deal, you know, like elite level cuisine. The restaurant next to it was the old uh, Michelin starred chef's sous chef. He broke off and started his own restaurant. Um, not a Michelin star because it was newer, but a chef trained under a Michelin star. And so we went to that lesser one <laughs> without the Michelin star. And you know, I had to get out my phone to translate the menu, um, but it was just, it was beautiful. It was like amazing food, like perfectly prepared, good portions. Um, so it wasn't like this very elite, like small little globules, but um, it was just awesome. So I'd say that, yeah, that's one of my second favorites. Yeah. What, uh, what is your favorite meal to cook? Oh gosh. Um, I love making, so I love making some like classical French stews. So beef bourguignon, 
takes all day. Um, the chicken dish coca vine, which which is old rooster and red wine, but of course we don't have old rooster in Texas. We just go get chicken from HEB. Um, but I love it, like long, slow meats that have been braised over hours, and it always has carrots and onions and celery, and it's just this wave of meat and aromatics and red wine, and it's just like, it's heaven. It is heaven to me. Mm. What? You need to make that for me. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make you the Kraft macaroni cheese from a box. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so I promise I wrote this question down before you use this word. So okay. I think it's funny that this is my question for you. But what is something that you are pretentious about in life? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm never persnickety, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, what's something I'm pretentious about? Here, yeah, I'll relate it to food. Okay, I'm going to relate it to food. Um, place settings. Okay. Um, it bugs me to no end. Even if you're just sitting at the dining room table with your family, have a proper place setting. Um, I can't stand it when people just throw knives and forks on the table and expect people to um, grab. And so I'm pretty, I'm pretty pretentious about that. <laughs> uh, maybe you shouldn't ever come to our house uh, for a meal. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, like a, a family in law member. I'm going to say that. I'm not going to say who, but they will, when they're at my house, they will just throw silver in the middle with a, like a pile of napkins on top. And I always, always go after that person and like put the forks and knives and spoons in the right place with the napkins. And I don't know if I'm making that person mad, but I refuse to have it just jumbled on the table. That's funny. Do, uh, did you happen to see the Fablemans? I didn't. No. Uh, not th this doesn't ruin the movie, but an aspect of the mom character in there is that they always use a throwaway tablecloth. They use paper plates and all that. So at the end of the meal, they literally can just bundle it up like a big knapsack and just toss it in the <laughs> trash. <laughs> That's pretty efficient. <laughs> yeah, it's super efficient. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, uh, thanks for thanks for answering those. I, I know I threw you on the hot seat there. So, uh, it, so is is the menu a movie that you would recommend? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I I, I told uh, my in laws to watch this, and even after I did, I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that because of some of the scenes in it. But um, I, I I do I do think. Uh, some those horror aspects might turn off some people, but mm -hmm. I, I do think if they give it a chance, uh, you know, I, I don't think they're in there just for uh, blood sake, so to speak. I, right. I, I, you know, it's really, I think this, the satire of the story, it's really trying to bring, uh, you know, it, it's saying a lot with those scenes and they could have really gone deep with some of the blood and gore with it. Yeah. And I, I, for this type of story, I thought it was kind of at the right level. But yeah, I would say the the people who should not watch this film, so wh who I wouldn't recommend it to, people who don't like horror, and people who are not at all interested in elite culture. And so, whether that's cinema, art, um, film, food, like if you are already looking at high level art and going, "That's stupid." I don't like that. 
I think their critique is going to be like, yeah, of course. I think it's this movie is for people who actually do like some elite culture, who like, you know, um, high level cinema, who go to art museums, who like to think about food creatively. And then I think then the critique is, is you'll be receptive to that critique, you know? Yeah. And um, I've, so I've thought about it using, I've already used this this movie as an example in class. So for those of y'all listening, so I'm a sociology professor and I teach classes in social class and poverty. And so I teach this idea of elite culture. Um, and I've thought about using this in class um, as an example, because it's such a good critique of it. And I also like almost flipping it as like, in a way you feel like these people are getting what they deserve, so to speak. Yeah. But I, I think that also says a lot about yourself when you start going into that of like, why would I want, you know, any human being to, you know, uh, be subject to this type of torture, so to speak, you know? So I think it says a lot to what we even think as human beings that mm -hmm. the elitists deserve to be told, you know, does it take, chopping off <laughs> fingers <laughs> to get a point across about their nature, you know, so I think it has a lot to say about that. So it's just yeah. challenge, it's challenging us as a whole, you know? Yeah. And when I was watching it, I was connecting it a little bit to the hunger games. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the idea of there is an elite group that is so absurd, you know, we're at the level of absurdity in this movie of breadless bread plates or, you're eating the ocean because it's on rocks and, you know, <laughs> snowy seawater. Um, that's the level of such high, high elite culture that it's now absurd. And I thought about the Hunger Games because they portray that much more strongly, much more overtly. Mm -hmm. um, but this idea of a critique against the absurdity of the elite. So I didn't prep you for this, Todd. I apologize, but we have a new segment this year called Recommendations, where uh, we each give something that we might be reading or listening to or watching, both film or TV, or just something you're really enjoying. Uh, is there anything lately that you have been indulging or liking? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go two things. Um, <clears throat> so one, uh, I'm reading for the first time, anything by Isaac Asimov, the science, classical science fiction writer, never read anything by him. Um, and so I'm reading the iRobot short stories right now. And cause I've seen the movies, I've seen other, you know, iRobot, uh, all the movies that were based off his work. Um, and I'm loving it. Um, the characters in that, in the short stories are actually our age. They were born in 1981, 1982. Um, and so it's just fun to see how someone in 1950 imagined what we would live through. And of course, some things are correct. Some things are not correct. We don't have a lot of robots, but we do have AI. So that's been cool. Um, and then in the word indulge here. So on my commutes, every day I commute, I drive about, um, 50 minutes. And so I do a lot of audible, um, and I'm reading the Prince Harry book. Um, just for fun, because I needed a brain break from some of my more academic reading. And um, it is a hate letter to newspapers and the media and the paparazzi. 
Um, it is a letter of grieving for a, a, a mom, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not gonna say I recommend it. Like if you're interested in Royal Family, go for it. I think it's standard reading. But if you're not interested, yeah, you can skip it. But I've just been enjoying, uh, I've enjoyed hearing about the behind the scenes. Like, and it just, it honestly makes me sad. It's not like a happy story. Um, and so it just, it makes me sad. Um, so when I get to work, I'm, you know, sad. <laughs> but that, I would say that's one of my indulgences because it's, you know, it's bubblegum literature or bubblegum reading. Um, but that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. We, we've been, we, We've been working through the uh, their series, Harry and Megan's uh, series yeah. on Netflix. Uh, it's um, it's kind of a it's a good. Uh, it tends to be Sunday morning when we start watching it. It's like a good kind of lazy watching type of thing, but we haven't yet been uh, just super enthused to finish it. Yep. <laughs> um, but uh, I was listening to a podcast I really like called the Press Box. Um, and they talk about media stuff, but they were t talking about this book and he, the host on there, he's very well read, loves books and stuff. And, uh, what he said about, uh, Harry's book was that he was like, it's just entertaining. It's just good. He, like, you know, he said like the writing itself or all that kind of stuff, you yeah. know, you, you and, can kind of quabble with, but he's like, man, like he, <laughs> he definitely is going for it. So he said just from an entertaining read that it, it was a really good book. Oh, absolutely. And, you know. You can tell it's ghostwritten. I mean, it has to be ghostwritten. Right, right, right. Yeah. Because he goes on and on about he was a bad student in school. Um, he hated Shakespeare. His dad loved Shakespeare. He, that was always a source of shame for him. He got horrible grades when he got to eat. And they're like, well, you're here because you're a prince, not because you're smart. And then throughout the book, he's like quoting Shakespeare and classical Greek mythology and all these things. And I'm like, you did not know that that quote existed. <laughs> um, and so the writing is at an academic level that's a little bit higher than what he even says he's at. Yeah, yeah. No. And yeah. so, but it is entertaining. It is yeah. entertaining. I just got through the part of the frostbite. I'm not going to, if you know about the frostbite, you know, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it on this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I still want to keep that uh, clean rating on on this uh, this podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, quick recommendation for me: it, it just started. Uh, we were a big fan of the show on uh, NBC, but American Auto it just started its second season, and uh, so uh, enjoyed the first one from the season. Uh, let's see if they can keep can keep it up. But it's from the creators of Superstore, so if you ever watched that, oh, I love Superstore. Yeah, same tone, like you know, workplace comedy. Uh, the cast is great, uh, but um, we were a excited to see it, but also because uh, a Baylor friend of ours, who's an actress, Alan La, she was in. Uh, the, this uh, premiere episode of the second season. Uh, so Catherine Everett. So uh, anyway, uh, she was a lead in my short film. I'm sure she hopes that film is buried somewhere. Uh, but anyway, so it was fun to see her on that. But that's a show I think uh, people should uh, catch up. But if you like The Office, anything like that, that type of humor, uh, it you'll really like it. Talk about dark satirical humor, uh, kind of go along with the menu that this show is it. So I appreciate you. Uh, I, I'm glad you watched this movie uh, and we could talk about it. Uh, it's it's fun to have you on uh, solo this time. You were yeah. with, with the group last time. So yeah, I yeah. love it. Thanks for having me. This has been great. And what a cool movie to talk about. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so next week, we're going to jump back into the 50 best rom-coms, and we're going to talk about number 35 on the list, Crazy Stupid Love, with a all-star cast, including Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, Steve Carell. So I don't think I've seen that one since the theater, so that'll be a really fun one to revisit. Have you seen, have you, you seen that movie? Long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I remember really liking it. Uh, so that'll be a fun one to explore and see how it ranks on the rom-com list. So uh, remember to visit moviesorlife.com for episode reviews and more. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast. This helps us discover new listeners. Uh, we're also on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I, I actually started uh, posting these episodes on YouTube. So if that's a way you consume podcasts or you know anything audio, uh, you can check us out on YouTube. So anyway, uh, thanks again, Todd. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. And remember to always tip your white staff. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good one, man. Hey, thanks, Nathan.